Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Udon Cheek, assistant track and field coach at East Carolina University. You are plugged into the Sports Objective Podcast. If you are a fan, you are plugged into the right place. And if you're really a fan, you will share that link. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate down to my soul. And I don't back down, not at all. Find out when the cannons explode. Boom! You're listening to 50 Pirates in 50 Days on the Sports Objective Podcast. Between now and the Pirates' scheduled season opener on August 29th against Marshall, we will take a daily trip down memory lane as we will talk to former East Carolina football players about their path to ECU, their time in the purple and gold, and what they're up to now. Now let's talk Pirate football. Welcome into the Sports Objective, 50 Pirates in 50 Days. Ladies and gentlemen, we're honored to have a guy who was a Pirate. He came back in 2018 as the defensive coordinator of the Pirates and now is in Louisiana, as certainly at Louisiana Tech, and that is David Blackwell. Coach, how are you? I'm doing good. It's good to see you guys again, and I appreciate you having me on. Certainly, Coach, we wanted to have you on because it's been uh, – uh, certainly a crazy ride with COVID and everything going on. We're doing this, this obviously, 50 Pirates in 50 Days, having you actually have the luxury of you were a player. Uh, I know a student coach there, student assistant, and then you actually coached in 2018 as a D coordinator. Uh, glad to have you back on the show with us. One of our favorites in 2018. It was uh, a great year. I thought that you would have more time in Greenville, but uh, I know you're happy there. And uh, you actually have – a lot of pirate connections there. I was wondering if we could change the name, uh, the uh, mascot down there, <laughs> the Pirates, because you have an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, and a coach. Uh, and what Coach Holtz used to coach in, in Greenville. So uh, I thought that was really interesting to see the offensive, defensive coordinator, and the and a former head coach of the Pirates. No doubt, we, we we definitely have a pirate flavor down here with with Joe Sloan as our offensive coordinator, myself as D coordinator, and then obviously Coach Holtz. And then uh, we have also on our defensive staff, we brought in David Mackey as an analyst who was our, oh, wow. one of our defensive analysts at ECU when I was there. So it's been, uh, you know, we, we definitely have a – we get to telling pirate stories every once in a while around here. So, But we all have fond memories of VCU. Um, obviously, my, you know, the, the way it ended there in 18 wanting, you know, what we wanted. Uh, but, you know, things happen and, and you move on and you do the best you can. But it's uh, – uh, I thought for, you know, seven or eight games, you know, seven, eight, nine games that year, we played pretty competitive defense down the, you know, we got beat up a little bit down the stretch and the last three games really didn't play well, you know, our last two games especially didn't play well. And it, uh, depth caught up with us and other issues and, you know, speculation affects the players. There are a lot of excuses. You know, the reality is we didn't get it done. Well, we uh, thank the world of you. That's why we invited you back, and you're always a pirate to us. I know that you, know, like you, said, you had to be politically correct, obviously, being down there in Louisiana. How are things – first, before we get into talk about your career, how are things there for you right now? Because uh, I tell you what, no matter who – I don't know anybody right now that's not affected by COVID in some way, COVID-19. Well, no question. It's been definitely different for everybody and, and uh, nationally, and, and, you know, obviously there's a lot going on. Uh, around the country with it. But, uh, you know, for us, it was exciting. Today was our first day of, of mandatory workouts. We've had our players back since June 5th in, uh, in voluntary workouts, but today was the first day of mandatory workouts. And so we could have face-to-face position meetings today for the first time. And, 
And uh, it was just good to get back in the meeting room with the players. You know, we're tired of meeting with each other and as coaches. And we've been back in the office as a coaching staff since the start of June, or excuse me, started, yeah, well, really about the middle of June. And so it's been, uh, it's been fun to, to actually see the players again. And so I apologize out the window. I see some players on the field doing some stuff and that caught my eye, but uh, we're, uh, you know, it, it's been fun uh, trying to learn a new area. And like I mentioned uh, before we came on the air, we the week we moved here, you know, my family got here uh, was when we went into lockdown. And so we, my son went to school for one day here and then went to lockdown, which he thought was pretty cool. I think he he, he liked it. But he had one day in his new school and then got locked down. And, you know, but it's uh, I think for all of us moving forward here, we're we're going to have to kind of adjust and 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 understand that it's going to be different you know it's not going to look the same right now and, and it's probably going to be a little while before it does and so you know we talk to the players all the time about you know this is we've got to stay focused in our mind we're having a season it's going to start on time we're, we got fall camp coming in, in you know less than a month we've got two weeks right now of mandatory workouts and meetings and then we transition into two weeks of 20 hours a week where we can have walkthroughs we can have five face-to-face meetings a week. And, and so it, it's, we got two weeks of that and then fall camp starts. So we're, you know, that's really the focus that we're on right now. And it was good today to get back in the office with the players and actually see them not just out the window and, and actually be able to have them up here and all that. Now, now Bubba, you, uh, did you have a question for coach? Coach, uh, you're obviously going into your first year, as you're just uh, referencing there in Ruston. East Carolina has a first-year defense coordinator under second-year head coach Mike Houston, uh, Blake Harrell. And so with that being the case, I've heard uh, I've heard Coach Harrell talk about some of the ways that he and his staff have been implementing the, the scheme from afar. Uh, talk about the way you and your staff there at La Tech have done it over the last three and a half to four months. Yeah, you know, it, it uh, we were – the day they really shut us down here was the first day of spring ball. You know, we were actually um, going on the field that day when we were told not to go on the field and, and that, that we were going to be sending the players home, sending the coaches home. And so really what we've done is we focused on, you know, we, we did it again today. We went day one of basically our spring ball install, which we changed a little bit for fall camp now, but we're, we're basically taking four days to try to install our entire base package because with the shortened time we have and the fact that we, you know, here, especially, obviously we had a very successful year a year ago, but you know, you got nine new starters on defense and we haven't been on the grass with these guys yet. And so we've installed our four installs, our first four days of install. We we've done it over and over and over again. You know, we, and so we've, we've been in, We've been in Zoom meetings with 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 cutups. We've sent film to the players. We've sent we've emailed them handouts and, and emailed them install sheets. And so, you know, you really try to be as creative as you can. You know, and uh, we were we've watched. Uh, I think our defensive ends have watched cut up tapes of Nate Harvey until they're blue in the face. You <laughs> know, and and Darius Jackson from Jacksonville State. You know. But I think for us, and it's really going to be no different for Mike and his staff, is until we can get on the field with these guys, defensively, what we've got to learn is what we have and what's best. And are we a man team? Are we a zone team? 
where can we put pressure? Can we put pressure on our front? Can we put pressure on our back end? You know, we had two, we had two defensive backs here drafted this past year. Um, off of last year's team, we've got, four, we're going to have four new starters in the back end. You know, we've got, we, we've got talent. We're, we're going to be young defensively, but we're really talented. And so it's going to be fun for us, but it's also a challenge because not only do we have to find out who our starters are, we have to install a whole new package and we have to figure out what flavor of defense are we going to be. I mean, can we, can we be a pressure heavy, you know, get after it kind of team or do we have to be a little bit more of a zone team and a four man rush and, and even a three man rush at some time. So that, I think that's the challenge we all have right now is you, you can watch film from last year and see a little bit, but the reality is until you get out on the grass, you really don't know what you have. No question, Coach. Uh, I, for me personally, I wanted to ask you as far as I know you're talking about the back as far as players are concerned. What about recruiting? I know that's got that's been. Um, I, I I can see there could be some advantages and also and also some disadvantages. How have you guys as coaches? How have you handled the recruiting and COVID and all the shutdown, lockdown stuff? It's it's got to be tough. You know, I think the biggest challenge has been having to do virtual, you know, virtual tours. You know, we, we've set up now where we, we will have a virtual unofficial visit where, you know, we basically have a campus tour, a city of Ruston tour, a university tour, facilities, um, basically everything you would do on an unofficial visit and then have the people that they would talk to on an unofficial visit, whether it's academics or, or you know, our strength staff or whoever it is, be able to be available to be on some of these calls now that the NCAA allowed that. And so we've, you know, we've done a lot of those. Probably, I think something we'll keep is the Zoom calls. Uh, you know, the having all the players call in and all the entire defensive staff be on there. You know, we've done a lot of those. And, and what we tried to do was I tried to organize, and, and Coach Holtz did a great job. We, we had our staff meetings every morning at 8.30. You know, and we met four days a week at 8.30 with Coach Holtz and the Zoom calls. And then we would meet offensive and defensive staff after that on our own, uh, in our own Zoom calls. And, and then we would have player position meetings set up um, throughout the day also. But we set aside a couple hours in the afternoon as a defensive staff, and we would try to hit, you know, three or four recruits every day that we would do Zoom calls. And we'd all be at our houses and, you know, you usually I would end up at some point in the Zoom call with a seventy-pound boxer on my lap, looking at the screen <laughs> with me. But it, you know, but the players loved it. You know, I mean, they really did. And I think just like anything, as time has gone, that's grown old for them. You know, and and probably it was it was neat at first, but I think that's something you would carry. You know, next year that you you have a guy hop on a Zoom call and talk to the whole staff and things like that. I think those are things we did that were pretty good. Um, we were able to really do a good job, I think, as a full staff with recruiting throughout this thing. I think our recruiting's going really well. Um, they've always recruited well here. You know, we're in an area where there's a lot of talent and, and you have access to a lot of players button up to Texas and Mississippi and Alabama. And so we, we have access within a five hour drive of here to a lot of football players. And, and so I think, you know, coaches are, you know, we're, as a, the coaching community is pretty good at, finding a way when it comes to recruiting. And so, you know, you're, it's our lifeblood. We all understand that and know that. And, you know, I think uh, for the most part, Coach Holtz does a great job when we get him on with these guys. And, 
and their parents. And, and so I think it's, it's going as well as can be expected. What we don't get is the personal aspect where you sit face to face in a room and, and meet people. The other thing that's a little bit of for coaches uncertain is you don't get to eyeball players. You, you don't get to say, Hey, is this guy really 5'11 or is he 5'9? Is he going to shrink two inches on the ride over here? You know, um, <laughs> you know, so you, you'd love to be able to put eyeballs on them before they get here. Coach, take us back to the late 1980s and talk about your recruitment. Did your, did your recruitment begin under Art Baker's staff or did that start after Coach Lewis came in there in December of 1988? Yeah, you know, it was really, I'd never heard from ECU under Coach Baker's staff. Um, when, uh, uh, I was, I was fairly heavily recruited, uh, for a little while. I mean, I had, I had some, what would be considered now power five offers, uh, and uh, I was dragging my feet on making a decision, waiting on Clemson to offer. And uh, I had had been to their camps. I'd been everywhere. I grew up 30 minutes away. And so I kind of had drugged my feet a little bit on it and, and didn't realize I wasn't as good as I thought I was because some of those other offers started drying up as people started filling up and things like that. And so we, I played in an all-star game and uh, – Coach Lewis had recruited me for Georgia, and so he knew who I was. Um, and then, uh, you know, Coach Shankweiler was at the was at the All Star game. He was at the practices and All Star practices, and he came up to me after the game on the field and asked for my phone number. And uh, you know, I I learned a lot over the next probably month about ECU. You know, as he started really recruiting me hard, and you know, I. I had a couple of other in-state North Carolina offers that were D1 offers at other schools in North Carolina that were in the ACC. And I really chose ECU because I was really sold on the fact that it was the only true football school in the state, I thought. You know, that football was really important. People cared about it and they were passionate about it. And when we came up as a family, we fell in love with Greenville, you know, and, and it was uh, – you know, obviously, probably I would say, you know, one of the best decisions I, I, I can definitely say is one of the best decisions I ever made. You know, I have strong feelings from for it and I had an awesome experience at ECU and, and uh, you know, we'll always will always think highly of it. No doubt, Coach. Uh, during that time, obviously, let's talk about Coach Shank being back and uh how close are you to Coach Shank still? Are you still close to Coach Shank? <laughs> we are. I, it was funny. I, 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 when, uh, you know, I kind of knew I was not coming back at ECU. I had, uh, um, I had, uh, the new staff was in, pretty much in, and I uh, was, I knew where I, I knew I was going to ODU, but I couldn't tell anybody yet. And so I had about a month period there where I had to keep, about a three week period there where I had to keep it quiet and uh, coach Wilder didn't want it out public until after the first of the year. And so I was jogging in my neighborhood and uh, coach Shank pulls up beside me and rolls the window down. He's, he moved in right one street over from me. And so he rolls the window down and he's, <laughs> he's giving me a hard time. Where are you going? What are you doing? You know, one of those things. And so I, I made a comment with it to him that I said, you know, there, there's been two times as a coach that I've been fired 
And I said, neither time, you know, was it really because of how we were playing defensively or, or that kind of thing. It, it was a team deal. You know, at South Florida with Coach Levitt when he got let go for an incident with a player. And then, then, at, then at ECU, I said, but both times I've been fired, you replace me. You come in on the staff that's replacing me. I said, you know, you'd think that you'd care enough about me to get them to keep me. You know, I said, this is two times where, you know, you could help me out and throw me a bone here and get them talk them into talk them into keeping me. But and he started laughing. He's like, you know, that's not, you know, that's not the truth and all that. I said, heck, you probably tell them not to hire me, you know. But it, the, the the irony of it is, is Coach Holtz came in at South Florida and uh, and he talked to me about staying and, and he was very open with me that he had offered the position to Mark Schneider. And, and if he turned him down, that, that, that I would have an opportunity to stay. And, and obviously Mark took the job, but uh, you know, it, but now I ended up here with coach Holtz. So, you know, it's a, the, the coaching fraternity is a, a weird thing. Uh, one thing I have learned is try not to burn bridges, you know, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, you, you, you make a name for yourself and you, you work hard and you treat people the right way and you, and you do the job the best you can and, and, and hopefully good things will happen, you know. And, Coach, we have a, actually a, a viewer that has a question for you. He said, Coach, this is from Johnny Gardner, one of our, our faithful. He, he asked, Coach, does being in the conference last year at ODU give you a, some bit of help uh, going into the season with Tech with the COVID situation, limiting access to your players up to this point? Yeah, you know, I think it does from the standpoint of understanding the talent level of the conference. You know, the one thing that, uh, you know, now we there, we were on the other division, but we had some crossover games on onto this side of the division, and and I thought, uh, you know, the I think being able to judge when I watch our defense on film against Marshall, who we played against last year, you know, at, at ODU, and so it gives me an idea to look at guys and say, hey, this is. This is one of the things that, you know, I, I know how Marshall is because we played against them. And so I do think it definitely helps with some familiarity than, than coming in like I did last year where I really didn't know the league very well. And so, you know, coming from ECU to there, the, I, I didn't really know until you get on the field the teams. And it's no different than, you know, coming to ECU and and until you get on the field with Houston, Central Florida, Memphis, those schools, you – you're really not sure how you match up with them from a talent standpoint. So, Coach, uh, going, going back to the um, 1989 season as you're arriving on the scene in Greenville with Bill Lewis and that staff, uh, just talk about the tremendous job that Coach Lewis did building building that culture. And uh, and then, unfortunately, you know, I guess what prior to the 91 season, you sustained that injury and then stayed on in a student assistant role, which we'll get to. But uh, just talk about your days as a Pirate player. You know, it, it was uh, – I was kind of not sure, was I going to redshirt, was I going to play. You know, I, Coach Coach Shank had pulled me. Well, I initially, you know, um, thought that I had an opportunity to, to maybe get on the travel squad and play. I was I was repping and, and, and going with the – with the ones and the twos a lot during practice and coach rolled us a good bit. And of course we had Grant Lowe, Stuart South Hall. I mean, we had some guys that were really good football players, you know, that offensive line was a unbelievable group of characters. Number one, and the personalities on that group were, were, were a lot of fun, but my father passed away right 
about the midpoint of, of fall camp. And so it kind of derailed everything for me there my freshman year. And, and you know, Coach uh, Coach Shankweiler was awesome. I mean, he flew down for the funeral the day before game, you know, and uh, was just tremendous with me and my family and all that. But it, it made for a rough, obviously a rough freshman year. And, you know, it meant a lot to me when I got back on campus, just the way the coaches and players rallied around me a little bit, and obviously going through a difficult, very difficult time. And, and uh, you know, then, you know, in 90, you know, we started kind of, you know, turning the corner a little bit. Was You know, was losing some close games. There were a lot of good things happening. And I remember the off season of, of 1990, you know, winter workouts, things like that. Because one thing with Coach Lewis was, I mean, you were going to practice. They were going to be physical. They were going to be long. You were going to scrimmage. You were going to practice. And, and our off season was, was was rough. You know, Coach Connors was was young, and had just come in from Bucknell and was was crazier then than he is now. And uh, you know, I mean, it was our off season was pretty brutal. But I think you could feel it going into that season. There was a lot of confidence on the team. Um, I remember in winter workouts, Dave Huxtable making a comment about we're getting ready to shock the world. You know, this we're, we're getting ready to be really good. And uh, as we went through winter workouts and then obviously getting injured during fall camp that following fall, you know, it, you can kind of drift away. And I've talked about it. Coach Jeff Connors was probably one of the biggest people, you know, that, that kept me straight because I was – you know, as the season's going, you're depressed, you're not part of it, you're not playing, you're injured. You know, he kind of put his arms around me. Well, he didn't put his arms around me, he jerked a knot at me and told me to get my head out of my rear end. And, you know, and, and he put me to work in the weight room. Um, but it's been, uh, I mean, being on the sideline of that Peach Bowl and, and the season we had that year, obviously, there were, and I, I've said it many times, the best thing about that team was, we were good enough in every phase that if one of the if the defense had a bad day, the offense could bail them out. If the, the offense had a bad day, we could win it on defense, and, and we were a true team. And I think uh, I think that's one of the things. You know, our special teams were solid. We were well coached. We had we were tough. I mean, we had a lot of tough physical football players, and 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 we were able to do something really special. You know, and we graduated a lot of really good players off that team. And, you know, in, in the first couple of years when Coach Logan was there, it was a little slower, and then and then we kicked the door in and, and got it going again. And, and obviously, you know, had a pretty good run there under him. So, you know, it's it definitely uh, the one thing that I remember the most is is the is the fans. You know, and I, I said it to I said it to our players when I was there. Until you fly back from beating nationally ranked Syracuse or beat South Carolina and Columbia and you come back and you can't get in the parking lot of that of the stadium because of people waiting on you when you get back, until you experience that, you just don't understand it. And uh, so I think from that aspect, the, you know, the fans are, are tremendous. The people care about it. It's passionate. And, and, uh, I, and I, again, I had a great experience. And coach, one thing I wanted to ask you, your part of this is being there in 18, that that 19 class you guys built is, uh, started something special, I think, for coach Houston, because ever since he's, he's matched you guys. I think that last season with the 2018 season, which was obviously a 2019 class, your guys were recruiting a lot of great players. They're going to make a huge difference, already making a huge impact. And I want, I want you to have the chance to talk about them. Oh, you know, it was fun. You know, one of the things that I thought, 
we did, and it was really Tony Peterson's idea, you know, was the very first day of spring recruiting, he and I got in a car together, and we went to Farmville, we went to South, we went to D.H. Conley, and we ended up and we went all over and we ended up in Havelock to finish the day. And, you know, we, that was, we got two visits with each kid in the spring. And so the very first day we went and saw really those top Eastern North Carolina targets together as, as offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. And then the very last day of spring recruiting, we got in the car and did it again and went and saw the same kids again in the same list. And, you know, I, I remember, well, myself, I went and watched D.H. Conley and South play, you know, during the season and stood on the sidelines with, with, with Keith Gaither and watched, a, you know, a, a pretty good little wide out, you know, not a little wide out, but a pretty good wide out and a pretty good tight end linebacker play against each other, you know. And so, no, I, I think that class was, you know, I thought, I thought at the time when we were recruiting that that class had a chance to be special. And you look at, you know, Jaquan McMillan and, and just some of the guys in that class that I think are already making a huge impact. And, and you know, I think there's no secret to anybody. There, there's good coaches everywhere. Um, you know, the, and I think Mike would be one of the first ones to tell you, you, you embrace every player you have. And, and I believe me, I, you know, the, we had some, we had some good players. Okay. We didn't have enough of them. Our, our, we didn't have enough depth. And, and so our, we could put a starting 11 out there that was very competitive. I think people saw that. And I think, but as you went down the line, your, your depth. And by the end of the year, those guys are playing too many, you know, Alex Turner's and those guys are, we, we got so beat up on the interior D line with Raekwon getting the neck injury and, you know, just things happening. And we just ended up so thin at the end of the season, but, you know, I think that's where the recruiting has got to pick up. And, that, and I think it was – I think that last class that, that we signed, and I think it looks like those guys are doing a good job recruiting now, the young talent on that team I think is exciting. Sometimes it's frustrating also because you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, because it, it takes a little while to build it. And unfortunately, when it had gone bad, it, it had gone bad and it was – there were a lot of players gone. You know, there's there a lot of attrition, I think, during Coach Montgomery's first two years where there were a lot of players that were recruited that never made it to the field. And uh, whether it was by rough staff or by, by Coach Montgomery's staff, there was a lot of attrition. And and that affects your football program. And I know Mike was dealing with that a little bit last year just from a depth standpoint. And uh, you, you can put a competitive first 11 out there. It's, it's what happens when that – those guys start going out of the game. And so, but I think that, uh, that goes into building a program and, you know, hopefully they're ready to take another step. Uh, they also have a really challenging schedule. Mike and I talked about that at the convention this year, you know, they, they, they have a challenging schedule. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're not a lot different right now. We're, we're going to be a really young defensive football team this year. You know, I don't know why it keeps working out for me where I take these jobs and where it's, you know, I, I go to ODU, they were 120th in the nation defense and they had three NFL players on defense. I'm like, how do you do that? And then we graduate. We didn't have any of them back, but we were, you know, we were able to be pretty competitive this past year defensively. It was just a very frustrating year, you know, overall, just from a, you know, we really struggled offensively. And so it was, you know, we had a, you know, we had a statistically a pretty good year defensively. We went from 120th in the nation to the top to 46th. And, 
you know, in defense, but, you know, obviously the season didn't go the way we wanted it. Coach, one of the tremendous players you did have the opportunity to uh, coach in, in that 2018 season was Nate Harvey uh, just exploding onto the scene after having been a backup running back. So talk about that process for him and, and that decision to move Nate to the defensive side and and he was obviously the American Athletic Conference Defensive Player of the Year, um, led the nation in TFLs, and also was, I think, third nationally in sacks. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, and I think everybody's probably heard that story a million. I know that was a big, obviously a big story during the season that year. You know, but really it started in winter workouts, you know, 6 a.m. workouts out in February. We were out on the field, and, you know, I just see this 230-pound athlete that, can stick his foot in the ground and change direction and it just had a tremendous work ethic and asked around about him, you know, who is this guy, you know, and, and it's, uh, well, he's former walk on. He's, uh, you know, he's like the fourth team running back or, you know, I'm like, well, is he, you know, has he ever played defense? Is he, you know, and so I just started kind of recruiting him a little bit, hitting him up after a walk. Hey, man, why don't you come play for me, man? Why don't you come play for me? I'll try try you out a linebacker. And so finally I went and just asked Scotty, you know, and he said, well, he was open to it. And, you know, the and obviously Nate was open to it. Nate, Nate's thing to me was I just want to play coach. I want to get on the field. You know, I, want, I, I know I can help us, you know, and – uh you know, we moved in the linebacker during the spring, and he did a good job, you know. But I just kept, you know, back in my mind going, <laughs> we're deeper at linebacker than we are on the edges. And I have always been, you know, I didn't see, aside from Kendall, we didn't have a guy that I really thought had that explosive twitch off the edge. You know, that, that pass rusher that we always had at Jacksonville State, you know, that we, that guy that could scare the heck out of a quarterback or, or an offensive tackle. And it, uh, you know, so we got into the summer and I brought it up to Rod, you know, about trying him out because he's one of the strongest guys on the team. And, and, you know, I said, let's, let's try him out at Bandit and see if he can do it on the edge. And I talked to Nate again about it and he was, coach, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, you know, and we were about probably, I'd say three or four days in the fall camp when we, the entire coaching staff was like, Oh, this is going to be interesting because this dude's pretty good. You know, once we put shoulder pads on and he could really be him because he's, he, the thing is, as explosive and athletic as he was, he was a physical player. Uh, we, we were watching because uh, uh, Larry Fedora is now the offensive coordinator at, at uh, Baylor, and so we were watching the North Carolina game during our summer study, and and I mean the fourth and one stops where he just absolutely destroys two or three people, and you know is in three yards deep in the backfield. Just the physicality he played with, it wasn't just the flashy plays, you know, he made dirty plays, and that was probably what made him so good. And uh, and he's a tremendous, tremendous person, you know. I mean, he that's one of the neat things I think is I get. I get text messages and phone calls from, from those guys, you know, to this day, you know, I, I mean, I get uh, father's day calls and, you know, coach, hope you're doing good. Alex Turner hit me up about a week ago. Just uh, coach. I was thinking about you just, you know, wanted to say hello. And, you know, it was really, you know, a special group. I think part of it was, 
they had been beat down publicly so bad for me to come in the door telling them I believed in them, you know, and, and things like that. I think it, it makes, you know, it, it makes it different. But they were they were a fun group to coach in, in a lot of ways. I think for a long time that year, I think we had it going right, you know, defensively especially. I mean, we had Central Florida 23 to 10 with the ball on the one-yard line going in with seven minutes left. And – and fumble and they run it back 99 yards for a touchdown. You know, it's, you know, Houston had scored 50 points in every game and we've got them at 23 points and we fumble and they run it back for a touchdown. And it just, we had some, some bad luck too, you know, but it, it was, uh, I, I definitely don't regret it. I can promise you that. <laughs> coach, let's go back to the fact when you got hurt and your decision to be the student assistant coach, um, let's talk about how that impacted you to take that path long term, because it seems like that uh, this was definitely your calling and your purpose in life. Oh, there's no doubt. I, I, I was I spent a year in the weight room with with, with Jeff, and uh, quickly, even though he was really good to me, I mean he 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 gave me. I was in charge of the cheerleaders and dance squad and and all that, and, and he made it. He didn't give me the heart, you know, the the 6 a.m. workouts. He kind of eased me into it, and then he started giving me more and more responsibility, you know, as we went. But I just – we sat in that weight room all day, and I was just like, man, this – I don't think this is for me, you know. And so I went and talked to Coach Logan about wanting to become a, uh, a, a student coach on the field. And – uh you know, and wanted to get into coaching. And he said, hey, we'll put you to work, you know, we'll, we'll put you to work. And so I spent that first year working with Jags on the offensive line and, uh, you know, had a had a great experience sitting in meetings, uh, really learning a lot about it. And then uh, we get into spring ball and they brought Larry Coyer in as a defensive coordinator. And, and we were, you know, a few days into spring ball, really. And Coach Logan called me in his office and told me he was moving me to defense. And uh, I, I thought I did something wrong. And he's like, no, he said, Coach Corrier likes your energy. He likes how you coach. He wants you on defense. He asked if he could have you. And so they sent me to defense, and I've been on defense ever since. You know, Larry was he, – he. I think we were doing a one-on-one drill between the O-line and D-line, and I was right in the middle of it, just, you know, excited, fired up, getting after it. And it coach liked that. And so he uh, – he really, you know, he got me moved over there, and I've been over there ever since. <laughs> yeah, talk about Larry Coyer's influence. What a tremendous defensive coordinator he was. You saw uh, such a dramatic impact that, that he made. Um, the Pirates improved tremendously defensively in that 93 season, even though issues on the offensive side of the ball with Marcus Crandall going down didn't reflect it in the win total. No, and that, that really was, you know, Coach was awesome for me because as a as a young coach, number one, he he uh, he really taught me a lot. You know, we would during the summer when everybody's on vacation, Larry wasn't much on vacations, and so he and I he and I sat in there and we just watched film, and he would teach me stuff and talk and and you know really got to the point where fall camp rolled around and and he said, "Hey man, you're going you're going to coach the the Leos, which was our outside linebacker to the boundary," and he said. That's you're going to coach that position. I, I'm, you're going to coach. You're not going to just help out. And so he he had a lot of, you know, obviously he believed in me an awful lot and gave me a lot of responsibility that, 
you know, it, it, uh, as a student coach to have your own position, you know, and then his, uh, his person, his personality was, was definitely a handful, you know, I mean, he was, he was definitely a guy that as a coach, you better be on it and you better have, you better dot the I's and cross the T's because he was going to, he was going to hold you accountable for it. And, and, uh, I actually talked to him uh, yesterday, you know, he's, He's been very influential in my career and has been somebody that uh, has been very good to me throughout my career. And we stay in touch and I have flown him in now that he's retired, you know, everywhere I've been, you know, he couldn't come the ECU year because his wife was sick, but he, I have flown him in for a week in the spring and a week in fall camp (laughs) and uh, let him watch practice and really pick his brain, you know, and I mean, our, our head coach and our guys at Jacksonville state loved him, man. You know, but you're talking about a guy that in the NFL was a defensive coordinator in the NFL. He coached DBs in the NFL. He coached linebackers in the NFL, and he coached defensive line in the NFL. And in, in today's world, where coaches really specialize on one position, he could coach anything on the field, and that was probably one of his gifts. Coach, uh, one of our co-hosts, Kyle, was unable to join us tonight, obviously, but he had a question. I just it's been mentioned a lot of the possibility of playing in the spring. Uh, so uh, talk about that. And then and Dave and I, as well as Kyle, were talking about it earlier, just that possibility of playing maybe 20, but maybe maybe as many as 23 or 24 games in a calendar year. As a former player and somebody who's coached the game at a high level for 25 seasons now, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that, you know, obviously – a lot of people are saying that's a last resort, and I think you know is what you would you would want it to be. Uh, is you know we're starting mandatory things back today. I mean we're four weeks away from starting fall camp, so it's the clock's ticking. I mean I think it's definitely ticking, and obviously things nationally are not trending the right way right now. Um, so I mean I I don't think any of us anybody that says they know what's going to happen right now doesn't because I don't think any anyone really does. They're just filling their way through this thing, but. I think if we did get pushed to the spring, I think it would be abbreviated. I think it would be an eight-game, seven-game season with with potential of a playoff or, you know, maybe maybe they'd have bowl games. I don't know. But I think it would be an abbreviated season. with, And then they might try to push the start back the following year to, you know, a little bit. But I think people also, you, you play a season and you play into January, and a lot of people turn around and, and have spring ball starting right up in, in February. You know, a lot of people are starting in February. Now we started, we were going to start that first week of March, you know, here. And it, uh, you know, you got four, four spring scrimmages that are, that are full speed and tackle the ground. And then you have the ability to have, you know, an additional five or six half scrimmages throughout the spring. And so in my mind, the spring is more physical than the fall. Um, because of the, the practices and the length of practices and scrimmages. And so I think that there's there's some of that, too. And uh, Coach Holtz, get ready to come in my door. No, no he popped down the hall. <laughs> he stuck his head in and kept going. I was going to get him to say hello <laughs> if he came in. Yeah, come on, Coach. <laughs> but it's uh, – it, I think that, you know, the biggest thing I think we all are going to have to just come to grips with is that football season is not going to look the same as what we're all used to, coaches and and players and fans. And and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully that 
we were, we were able to go on time and, and, and play a full season. But obviously with the Big Ten and the Pac-12, that's going to change some things. I, I think that, you know, the Power Fives are probably trending to that direction. But, uh, you know, you never know. And, and obviously for schools like us, non-conference games are big games. You know, the, you know our, our athletic department needs the, the Baylor payout or the, the uh, Vanderbilt payout that we play this year. So, plus those are – you know, we want those games too. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're, we're we're excited about those games. Coach, I saw on your schedule the first game is is that at UNLV. It is the Running Rebels. Yeah, uh, that, that's certainly a, a great game. And the first two games this year on the road, so you have UNLV and then Southern Miss, uh, somebody that East Carolina knows very well, and uh, another team that we wish we could have back on the schedule. Yeah, that, you know they're uh, they've done a good job. I mean they're they're a good football team, just like they were the last time I was played against them, which was at ECU, you know, back in 94, you know, and they were a team that, you know, them or us, you know, it was going to go through one of those places at that time on who's going to bowl game. And uh, when we had the Alliance before they formed conference USA or whatever they call it, Liberty bowl Alliance or whatever it was called, you know, but uh, we had some absolute wars against them uh, when I played and also, you know, as a coach and then, you know, the, the, uh, you know, I, I'll never forget Steve Logan faking the field goal, um, with a bowl game on the line and him on the headsets and Paul Jett going nuts going, what are we doing? We're faking it <laughs> and, and getting the PI and they move it up 15 yards and we kick a chip shot field goal and we get in the locker room. He said, really want that hard a decision. We want, there was no way in hell we were making that field goal. <laughs> So <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, but the Southern Miss games through the years are, you know, have been a lot of fun. And obviously here it's a big game. That's probably our biggest conference rival here. And so, you know, it's a big game here. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate last year to, to beat them. And, you know, they're, we're going to their place next year. So uh, it'll be game two. And that's a big game in our conference because, you know, uh, probably them, them, us, and UAB are probably – you know, most people consider three best teams in, in this side of the league. So it, it'll be exciting. You know, like you're saying, Coach, um, Chad Holcomb had, had his ups and downs throughout his career to that point. But then he went on to Liberty Bowl later on that season and knocked in four, including two from 40-plus against Stanford and really uh, was a big part in helping us win that day, 1913. Oh, there's no question. I, I and I, and that wasn't a, a you know really a shot at Chad as much as it was. I think it was like a 53 or 54 yard field goal, and so it was like a really long yeah, field goal. Was. And so coach was just like, "Heck, we got just a good chance of faking it and scoring as we do, you know." And then we, I mean, he nailed it. I mean, he nailed the game winner and put us in the bowl game. So it it, uh, it was definitely a, a it was one of those memorable moments, you know. And that was really coaches. You know, you would have to know Coach's sarcasm and wit, too, and probably doesn't come through on the, the radio. He was, hell, he ain't going to make it anyway. We might as well go for it, you know. And so, But it was definitely one of those, that, you know, that sticks in your mind. And I, I really, more than anything, it was Paul Jett's reaction of, what are we do? do what? <laughs> We're going to fake it? <laughs> so, but, no, nah, oh, yeah. it, it was a I, lot I, of fun. I thought we didn't take it as a shot at Chad, a shot at Chad whatsoever, Coach. I, I knew yeah. it was one of those. <laughs> One of those things, because like you said, it was around a 50-yard field goal. 
Yeah, I think it was like 53 or 54, and so it was a long field goal, and I believe it was into the wind, and, you know, so there, it, it was definitely, a, it would have been a challenge, but it was, it was also a classic Coach Logan, too, you know, to do the thing right <laughs> then that no one else in the world would expect him to do, and, and so that was, that was definitely one of those, one of those moments that sticks with you. That's what made him uh, very special as a coach. Let's talk, speaking of, you brought up UAB. Can you talk about the job that Bill Clark has done there? At, uh, I mean, what an amazing turnaround for that program. Yeah, they, they've, they've done a tremendous job. I mean, uh, and they've done it the right way. They've put a lot of money into their program. Uh, they've built a new office complex. They've built an indoor facility. They've, they've really, I mean, they, they, they've, they're talking the talk and walking the walk a little bit too. I mean, they've really put a lot of money when they made the decision to bring it back. They said, we're going to bring it back and do it right. And one of the things that it hurt them for years was the lack of facilities, the lack of uh, of interest in the program. And, and I think he, he energized the city of Birmingham and the people to to get behind it. And uh, and then he's just done. I mean, there's no question he's done a tremendous job. I mean, he's he's uh, uh, you know been in been in two straight conference championship games, and and uh, you know they're they they've got a. I believe that's we were studying them the other day. I think they got 18 starters back, you know, for next year. So I mean, they're they're going to be a, a challenge this season, and that's going to be a game we have here. That's one of the big games on our schedule. And uh, you know, he and his staff have done a good job. I've got a couple of very close friends of mine that are on that staff, and obviously, I have a connection there because he was the head coach at Jacksonville State before before I got there. And uh, our head coach, uh, John Gross, was his offensive coordinator. And so we, we, we spent some time with him and know him. And I know Coach Clark pretty well. And, and he's a good guy, and he, and he does a great job. Coach, you were talking about with the defense being the first year there at La Tech. Uh, what would you say would be a successful first year for you as far as I know you were talking about how you went from ODU from 120th to 46th. Uh, what would be a – what would be a good turnaround or a good starting year for you there? Well, you know, I, and you know, you guys are familiar with Coach Holtz, and so his 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 wit and sarcasm is a little bit Coach Loganish in, in some ways. And so he he has told me, you know, one day that he just don't want us to be awful <laughs> on defense. You know, we got nine new starters. We're going to be young in the secondary, and you know the. There's really for him. There's no expectations. He's like you. You'll be able to exceed all of them, you know, <laughs> because I have none, you know. But the reality is, I think we just want to keep getting better. Uh, this is a program that is has been to, has won six straight bowl games. Um, the consistency that, that Coach Holtz has had since he's been here has been has been outstanding. But we've been so close to kicking the door down and. and and winning the conference and taking it, that I think that's the next step for us. And then defensively, I mean, they have traditionally been a, a very solid defense this past year. I think we were 46 in the nation. They were like 48th or 44th or something like that. They were right around where we were. And, you know, I think to, to keep growing. And, and, you know, I expect, you know, and I said it, people rolled their eyes and thought I was crazy, and I probably was, but I expect, I expect us to be a good defense. I expect us to play good defense, play sound, solid football, and and it's not always in the stats. You know, we've we've put good stats up through the years, and uh, you know, ECU we made a lot of improvement, but we weren't a great statistical defense. But we were still third in the nation, I think, in tackles for loss. I mean, there were things we did well, 
we were we were pretty good on third downs. We were, I mean, we had some areas that we really greatly improved in, and you know, I think that's the thing here is the consistency and, and to keep this program headed the direction it's headed. I mean, we were a ten win team a year ago, and, and we're not going to lower our expectations. And so it's a little bit different culture coming in. You know, this is a this is a team that has a lot of confidence. Uh, there's a lot of belief in in the coaching staff and what we do. Um, it's it's a lot different situation than the last two years. You know that I've come into with defenses that were really beat down publicly. You know these guys have a little bit of confidence, and and you know their their expectation level is a little bit different. You know where you know I think that's going to help us in some ways because we we'll have the ability to you know the, to lean on that a little bit because. You know, the the mental aspect of this game is huge, you know, and I think the swagger you develop as a program is huge. And so I think that, you know, successful programs have it. And and that's the challenge right now at ECU is to get that culture and that mindset turned back around to where, hey, we're we're the bad, we're the big dog on the block, you know, And, and I think it's hopefully headed that way. Coach, if there's anybody that knows about winning championship is Coach Holtz winning back to back in 2008 and 2009 in Greenville. Yeah, no doubt, and that's uh, that's the thing is I, I think the culture of the you know number one is very close knit team. Uh, most good teams are they do a lot together, um, and and that, I think it starts with the head coach. And I, I think I, that's the thing I've been most impressed with being here is you know the, the he's got a great beat on the pulse of the team, and, and he does I, as you guys know have from what he did at ECU, he does a tremendous job. And, uh, you know, and then, so I've been really excited about the, you know, the first six months that I've been here, you know, uh, the opportunity. And, and I think we, we've got a pretty good thing going here, and I think that we can continue to grow on it. Coach, uh, I could talk to you for hours and soak a bubble for football. I know you've got a busy <laughs> schedule. Thank you so much. I appreciate all you've done for, for the Pirates, the player, coach, then obviously coming back as defensive coordinator. And we wish you and Coach Holtz and Sloan, Everybody there with the Pirate Connection and beyond and Rustin, a, a great year. And we'll keep our eyes there and in Louisiana and see how things go this season. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's always fun, and uh, it's good to see you guys again. Take care. Thanks, have a good Thanks night. Thanks so much, Coach. Right, yep. Appreciate you very much. Good night. Yep, good night. All right, so appreciate the – we got uh, – I got a, another Zoom call in just a couple minutes, Bubba, so we can wrap this things up. But uh, – Appreciate uh, your hard work on getting David Blackwell. What a tremendous talent as a coach. Miss him uh, dearly. He was so much fun. That was one of, I will say this, Bubba, that was one of the bright spots of 2018 covering the Pirates, going to those practices. Uh, we had Tom and all the great staff there at SIDs that helped us out, and they've always been uh, Tom McClellan and all those great folks there with them. Uh, but David Blackwell, what a tremendous talent and a great guy. And he, he's the kind of guy – Hear that term, a guy you'd like to have a beer with, that's David Blackwell. Yeah, I love Coach Blackwell. It's a shame that he only had that one season in Greenville in 2018, uh, but who knows, maybe someday down the road uh, he'll be back, uh, whether it's his defensive coordinator or who knows, maybe as a head coach one day. Because I certainly uh, think a lot of Coach Blackwell, and like you said, uh, the defense was headed in the right direction uh, and just didn't have enough time to – to get them to where they need to be like and like he referenced in the interview um some of those talented players like jaquan mcmillan uh, who came in and is a tremendous cornerback 
um, he and the staff would have uh, really benefited from having some of those guys at their disposal, but it, it wasn't to be. And uh, certainly wish him nothing but the best down there with Coach Holtz and the Bulldogs. No doubt about it. And uh, he'll do very well down there with that. There's so much talents down there. And the fact they're a winning program gives him time to a little bit of breathing room that he didn't have in Greenville. Uh, before we go, I know that you wanted to mention uh, for Coach Dooley's staff, Picked up a great commit today, it uh, looks like, for the 21 class. Yeah, we really did. Um, 6'7", 215-pounder out of Texas. Uh, he also, I know, had an offer from UNC Wilmington, uh, ORU, Oral Roberts, uh, who's had some good basketball teams down through the years. But And the tournament? But we picked up. I'm sorry? Uh, they've been, I was just adding to what you're saying there, that they've been in the tournament, Oral Roberts, you, in the past. Yeah. March Madness. Yeah. Yep, the Golden Eagles, and so Tay, um, it's either Mosher or Mosher. Um, I I attempted to uh, cross check that pronunciation of the last name with Stephen Igo, but he wasn't sure himself. He was actually catching up with um, with Tay's coach. Uh, he apparently his nickname is Tank, but um, I'm okay. sure Stephen Igo with HoistTheColors.net uh, check Hoist the Colors out tomorrow and uh, or in the next couple of days at least, and he'll have a more in-depth article um, outlining what kind of player the Pirates are getting in, in Tay. Sounds fantastic. And uh, Bubba, I know we have uh, more 50 Pirates in 50 Days with uh, promo uh, tomorrow night's show, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, earlier today, if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, we caught up with former East Carolina tailback Willie Lewis. So definitely go back and check that out, as well as the first, uh, I guess, six 50 Pirates in 50 days prior to that. Um, throughout the remainder of the week, we'll catch up with, with East Carolina's uh, offensive linemen from, I, th- I want to say, 2009 to 2012, or maybe it was 08 to 12, Jordan Davis. Um, we'll hear from Jordan. I think he's up in the Cincinnati area right now uh, working in the business world. And, uh, and then um, in addition to Jordan, we'll catch up with Trent Tigner, who was a punter for the Pirates on Friday. And so those are a couple of the 50 Pirates in 50 days headed your way. And then tomorrow night, as you see scrolling down there at the bottom of the screen at 7 o'clock, we'll be joined by Rachel Barbeau from SiriusXM and also uh, changing the narrative um, against domestic violence. And does an excellent job going around and talking to student-athletes across the country. And then at 7.30, we'll talk East Carolina Pirate football with ECU alum and um, also the owner and uh, – so forth at Port City Films, Curtis Thiemann. And then at around 8 o'clock, we'll talk to uh, Nicole Auerbach. And Nicole is with The Athletic. And so we'll talk the latest with COVID-19 in college athletics with Nicole. All right, Bubba. Thanks to Coach David Blackwell, 50 Pirates in 50 Days. Thanks to all of you viewing and uh, certainly listening. You can watch these on Facebook Live, uh, certainly Facebook. Uh, they're archived or on YouTube, our YouTube channel. Appreciate it very much. I hope you guys will have a great evening, and we'll see you back tomorrow night at 7 o'clock for uh, Facebook Live and live on our YouTube channel. Until next time, you've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Go Pirates! You've been listening to 50 Pirates in 50 Days on the Sports Objective Podcast. Remember, each of these interviews can be seen on our Facebook and YouTube channels, or the audio only can be heard exclusively on SoundCloud and Anchor. Wherever you watch and listen to the show, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. As always, we appreciate you listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Go Pirates!